verse 14 is where we will start. Nehemiah had gone back to Jerusalem. He was broken over the condition of Jerusalem, and he was the cupbearer for the king, and the king said, hey, if you need to go back, you go back. Whatever I need to do that I can help you with, I'll help you. I summed up the story, but that's basically what happened. And, and Nehemiah went back, and, and he began to do the work on the wall. And he got a lot of folks with him, and they were excited about it. And as they began to do the work, well, things got difficult. They had enemies that came, and they tried to dissuade them and discourage them. And Nehemiah and the folks kept going, and the people tried even attacking them. Even, even their life was in danger for continuing the work of the wall. But Nehemiah encouraged them, and they kept, kept on doing the work of the wall. And then, and then last week, we kind of shifted gears from the wall for just a little bit because there was another problem. There were some officials and leaders and people that had a little bit of power and a little bit of wealth, and they were taking advantage of other people. In the midst of hard times, they were, they were making it hard on the other people. And Nehemiah heard about this, and he said, Look, this ain't right. We all are supposed to be working together and taking care of each other, not taking advantage of each other. And Nehemiah was pretty stern, and he told these folks, This ain't right. Give these people back the things that are theirs, and, and don't take advantage of them. And they said, All right, we'll, we'll do it. We'll, we'll do the right thing. And that's kind of a good example of how life is, right? Sometimes we're on mission and we got things we're doing, and sometimes right in the midst of the task that we're trying to complete, our wall, so to speak, that we're trying to complete, something else comes up that we got to deal with. So we deal with those things as we come up, but then we gotta we got to get back on task. And that's kind of what Nehemiah 5 is. It's kind of one of those things that came up in the midst of their, of their task that Nehemiah and the people have to deal with, and then they'll continue on with building the wall and so that's where we are at this point in the story of nehemiah so let's pray and then we will get started dear lord we come to you and we thank you for your good word and i pray that you just hide me behind the cross as i preach and teach tonight that you take away any nerves or pride that i may have dear lord that i would trust fully in you and on you tonight dear lord and your power and your spirit to help us to understand what we see. So let your words be good to us, dear Lord. I pray that you help us to pay attention, to not be distracted and worried about things of the world, but just in these few minutes, that there's something we get from these words that'll be for, for our good, for the good of your kingdom. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Nehemiah 5, verse 14. Furthermore, from the day King Artaxerxes appointed me to be their governor in the land of Judah. From the twelfth year until his thirty-second year, twelve years I and my associates never ate from the food allotted to the governor. The governors who preceded me had heavily burdened the people, taking food and wine from them as well as a pound of silver. Their subordinates also oppressed the people. But I didn't do this because of the fear of God. Instead, I devoted myself to the construction of the wall, and all my subordinates were gathered there for the work we didn't buy any land. So Nehemiah had just dealt with this issue where there was some injustice taking place, and, and some folks were taking advantage of other folks, of poor folks. And Nehemiah was appointed governor of the area after this by King Artaxerxes. And so Nehemiah intended to be a better governor than those that had come before. The leaders that had come before Nehemiah said had put heavy burdens on the people. 
by making the people, uh, you know, bring them food and give them money and, and, and bring things to the people, which was really hard on the people because here they are, they've moved back to Jerusalem. Most of them probably didn't have much when they came back. They're working hard trying to get this wall done. They're trying to make it through the hard times. And these other leaders they had were hard on them. And Nehemiah said, look, I didn't do that. When I came in, there was a certain, certain things that were allotted for the governor, perhaps pay and food and other things that went along with that. Well, of course, things that are allotted to officials and, and people in leadership, well, they have to come from somewhere, and they came from the people in Jerusalem. But Nehemiah said, look, these people can't really afford this. It's, it, it wouldn't be right for me to take what's allotted to the governor, even though I am the governor. I could take it, sure. It's my right to do that as governor, but it might be my right, but it is not right. And so Nehemiah said, look, I was the governor, but I didn't take what was allotted to me because if I would have done that, I would have been no better on the people than those who had come before me. And so all of these, the, the money and the food and, the, and, and whatever it was that people were, were, were giving to the governor before, was making it hard on the people. And Nehemiah said, look, I feared the Lord. Now, fear of the Lord is a good place to be because when we fear the Lord in something, we probably are going to do the right thing. It's when we don't fear the Lord that we get ourselves in trouble because when we don't fear the Lord, we live for ourselves. We do what we want to do. We look out for our own self and we don't do right by other people. We lie, we cheat, we steal because we don't care about others. We care about ourselves. And that's probably the mindset of those who came before Nehemiah. They didn't care about the people. They didn't care if the people were starving or struggling or anything else. They saw it as an opportunity to benefit themselves. At the end of this passage we read, Nehemiah said, we didn't buy any land. And that's kind of an odd thing to throw in there. And there's no real explanation of that. But I think perhaps maybe what he means there is, is we didn't take advantage of people. That is, we had money and we had wealth. And we could have went to people who were really struggling and even if they didn't want to get rid of their land, if they didn't have any more money, we could offer them a little bit of nothing and they'd probably take it. And a lot of people do that. A lot of people with wealth and means, they see it as an opportunity to take advantage of other people when they can. And so when Nehemiah says we didn't buy any land, I think that's probably what he meant. We didn't take advantage of the people who were struggling to hold on to what they had. We didn't do anything to better ourselves. Why? He said, because I feared the Lord and I knew it was the wrong thing to do to take advantage of people. And therefore, I didn't do that. And so here in this passage, we, we see a really good example of what a good leader looks like. And that can be leadership in a number of capacities. It could be leadership within the church. It could be leadership within a job. It could be leadership at, 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 in a country. And whatever way that looks like, there are leaders in, in lots of aspects of life. And what does it mean to be a good leader? Well, it means to put the people first. And the people that came before Nehemiah, the leaders that came before him, they didn't have the people's best interest in mind. But Nehemiah says, look, I feared the Lord, and I knew what was the right thing to do. So I spoke up for the people, and now I'm leading the people, and it's, and it, and it's only right for me to lead by example and do what's best for them. Verse 17, there were 150 Jews and officials as well as guests from the surrounding nations at my table. Each day, one ox, six choice sheep, and some fowl were prepared for me. An abundance of all kind of wine was provided every ten days. But I didn't demand the food allotted to the governor because the burden on the people was so heavy. Remember me favorably, my God, for all that I have done for this people. And so 
Nehemiah was in a leadership role, and there were other officials who were with him, and yet they still ate well. Now, every 10 days, this food and this wine was provided, but again, it specifies that uh, he didn't demand the food allotted to the governor. Now, I don't know exactly where this food came from. Perhaps the king of Persia helped provide some of this food. After all, I mean, he had been, he'd been pretty good to Nehemiah when Nehemiah wanted to come back in, and he had showed Nehemiah support. And no doubt, King Artaxerxes had plenty of wealth. So perhaps the wealth came from King Artaxerxes. Maybe Nehemiah had wealth of his own. Maybe he simply uh, provided this food from, from his own wealth. It's also a possibility, because it says he didn't demand this, that maybe this food did come from the people. Maybe he didn't go in there saying, I'm the governor, therefore you must give me the choice meat. And he didn't demand it, but maybe the people saw that he was a good leader and they gave anyway. Uh, I, I tend to think that probably is not what occurred, but maybe it was because if the people were providing, uh, it still may have been a burden, but, but I don't know what the governors before were asking for. I mean, this seems like a lot of stuff that the people were eating, but maybe this was just a portion of what the governors uh, were asking for before. And so perhaps Nehemiah provided these things from his own wealth. Perhaps it was by the king. Perhaps the people desired to give and help Nehemiah and provide for him in some way. Maybe it was a little bit of all of those. We really uh, don't know for sure. But, but however it occurred, in whatever way it was carried out, we can be sure that Nehemiah did not put any extra burden on the people. And he did what was right by the people. And he says at the end of the chapter here, Remember me favorably, my God, for all that I have done for this people. Now, when we look at Scripture, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and particularly in the New Testament, we see this common theme among God's people. And that is they get themselves in trouble. And one of the things we see in this common theme of God's people being disobedient is bad leadership. They don't have people that care about them. The leaders that are there are selfish. They care about themselves. They care about lining their own pocket. They don't care what's going on with the people. They don't care about the needs of the people. They don't try to take care of the people. They don't try to meet their needs. They have a list of demands. I'm the leader. Here's what you will give to me. And so we see that, that theme and that idea in Scripture. We'll look at one passage just to kind of get an idea of what that looks like. Ezekiel chapter 34, if you want to flip there. Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 1 through 8. Now, these would be men who were supposed to shepherd the flock who were supposed to lead God's people in the way of God, and they were not. And this passage does not speak very well of these shepherds. They're being condemned for the way that they have been leading the people and for what they have not been doing. Ezekiel 34, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Shouldn't the shepherds feed their flock? You eat the fat, wear the wool, and butcher the fattened animals, but you do not tend the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bandaged the injured, brought back the strays, or sought the lost. Instead, you have ruled them with violence and cruelty. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd. They became food for all the wild animals when they were scattered. My flock went astray 
on all the mountains and every high hill. They were scattered over the whole face of the earth, and there was no one searching or seeking for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, the declaration of the Lord God, because my flock has become prey and food for every wild animal since they lack a shepherd, for my shepherds do not search for my flock, and because the shepherds feed themselves rather than my flock, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says, Look, I am against the shepherd. I will demand my flock from them and prevent them from shepherding the flock. The shepherds will no longer feed themselves, for I will rescue my flock from their mouths so that they will not be food for them. Now this is kind of the same, same idea of what we've been talking about. This is what was going on in the time of Nehemiah. Now these, these people in Nehemiah's time that we're talking about, they may not have necessarily been 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 priests uh, in a sense or or, or or people in ministry if we can say that over the people to help look after them but nonetheless they were people who were taking advantage of god's people and that's the theme that we see with god's people throughout the old testament and in the case of ezekiel how does god respond to that he does not respond well he said look you are taking advantage of my people you who are supposed to shepherd the flock you who are in a leadership position are not taking care of the people, you are taking care of yourselves. We see similar language to go along with what we've looked at in Nehemiah. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 2, it says, When the righteous flourish, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, people groan. So a righteous person is going to do what is good and what is right. A righteous person is going to follow the ways of God and going to love people and going to take care of people and going to put the needs of others before their own needs. And what happens when a righteous person, uh, uh, when, the righteous, when the righteous flourish, the people rejoice, right? It's good when we see people who are righteous, who flourish, who are leading and who are doing good things. But what does it say of the wicked? But when the wicked rule, people groan. Right? Nobody wants a wicked ruler. Nobody wants somebody in leadership that's going to be hard on the people and going to be a burden on the people. And that's what we saw happening in the days of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah said, I will not do that. I fear the Lord too much to do that. But yet around our world today, we look and we see wicked, we see wicked rulers. We see wicked leaders. And we see people groaning. We see people struggling. We see people with burdens. We just talked about Burma Sunday. That's exactly what's going on there. The leader of that country doesn't care about those people. And so what do they do? They groan. They, they, they have to suffer. They have to, to feel that heavy burden of constantly being under attack and, and being killed and losing family and friends and losing everything that they have. And that's just one example, but there are many examples. Even in, even in countries where it's not as bad as Burma, we want to see good leaders. We don't ever want to see a leader whether it be in our city or whether it be of our state or whether it be of our country. We don't want to see leaders who push wicked things and who do wicked things. That's not what we want. We groan when leaders do that, when we have leaders that don't take a stand for the Lord. We groan because we don't like to see the wicked get into uh, ruling and leadership positions. And then a couple of verses later in Proverbs 29, verse 4, "...but a justice king brings stability to a land." But a man who demands contribution demolishes it. Same thing here. What do we want? We want a king that's a just king. 
What does a just king do? Well, a king who is a just king brings stability. That was the problem in Nehemiah at the beginning of chapter 5. There was injustice and there was instability because the kings, or, 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 or people in leadership, I should say, were wicked people. And that, what does that bring? Well, that, that, that demolishes a people, it says. A man who demands contributions demolishes a land. Well, that's exactly what the people of, of Nehemiah's day were doing. The leadership, they were demanding things of a people that the people could not do. That was, that was killing the people and destroying the people and making life hard on the people. And that destroys a land. And so we see examples here in those two verses in Proverbs that are good simple passages for us to kind of wrap our head around that, hey, good leaders are going to be for the good of the people and bad leaders are going to be for the bad of the people. And Nehemiah said, I want to be a good leader. And so we see, uh, we see those examples in the Old Testament that we've looked at. We've looked at several examples here in the Old Testament. But when we think about and talk about leadership, we say, we say to ourselves, okay, what does it really look like to be a good leader? Well, we see that in the New Testament in Jesus Christ because everything we see in, in the Old Testament is frequently referred to as a shadow of what was to come. But the fullness, the reality, the substance of that shadow is revealed to us in Jesus Christ. And he is the perfect leader. And, and in many ways, Nehemiah is, is much like Jesus Christ in saying, Look, I will not put burden on you, but I will take the burden on myself. I will make sure that I do what's needed to provide for you, but not make you do... I mean, there's nothing that, 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 you, that you have to do for me. I'm going to provide for you. And Jesus had to deal with the same thing that Nehemiah was dealing with in his day. And in Matthew chapter 23, we see Jesus get really... He gets pretty stern with the Pharisees because... They're really living a lot like those officials did in Nehemiah's day. And what did Nehemiah do? He got on them and said, this ain't right what you're doing. And Jesus did kind of a similar thing in Matthew chapter 23 in verses 1 through 4. Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples. The scribes and the Pharisees are seated in the chair of Moses. Therefore, do whatever they tell you and observe it. But don't do what they do because they don't practice what they teach. They tie up heavy loads and are hard to carry and put them on people's shoulders. But they themselves aren't willing to lift a finger to move them. Now that's just the beginning of the, of the, of the things that Jesus is going to say. And if you go home and read the rest of Matthew 23, he gets on the Pharisees pretty specifically about some things that they did. But what are they doing? They are tying up uh, heavy loads on the people that the people aren't able to carry. But yet, what do the leaders do? The ones who are seated in the seat of Moses, he said, the chair of Moses. That is, those who are the leaders of the church, those who are supposed to be over the people and leading the people to God and taking care of the people. Well, they're not doing that. They're making things difficult for the people. And in what ways did they do that? Well, it says plenty of times in the New Testament. They were very religious, and they wanted the people to be very religious and follow this very rigid structure of religion. And that was very tough on the people to, to live by the letter of the law. But then even still, they really weren't living by the letter of the law. The Pharisees were picking and choosing and making some things even harder than what God had called them to be in the Old Testament. And so Jesus said, look, you guys in these positions of leadership you're making it harder on the people, but you're not willing to do a single thing to help the people. And so bad leadership was a problem in the Old Testament, 
and there were no good shepherds, or, or I won't say no, but there were a lot of bad shepherds in the Old Testament. But what did God's people need? They needed a good shepherd who could provide for them. And no human shepherd was up to the task. There was no one who could be a, a good leader for God's people and what they needed. Now, we had some good ones like Nehemiah. I mean, obviously, he was a good leader who stepped up for his people. But we needed a perfect leader who could perfectly atone for our sins, who could, who could perfectly provide for all of our needs. And Jesus Christ was that leader. And so we see all these bad leaders and these bad shepherds, and God saw that there was a need, and that's why he sent Jesus Christ. And Jesus addressed these people. Hey, you failed. But good news, the rest of the story is Jesus didn't fail. You guys have failed. You guys haven't done what's right by the people. But Jesus said, I will do what's right by the people. I will be the good shepherd. I will lay down my life for the sheep. I will be the entrance into the kingdom of God. And no one comes into that kingdom but by me. I'm the door that the sheep enter into. I'm the shepherd who lead the sheep out and in and to green pastures. I am the shepherd who fights off the wolves. I am the shepherd who provides their needs. I am the shepherds who will give everything for my sheep and my people. And that is leadership. That is leadership. Bad leaders often want things for themselves. What can you do for me? A good leader will say, what can I do for you? And that's the difference. That's the difference which we see between all these bad leaders and people like Nehemiah and ultimately Jesus Christ, who was a good leader. And so that's what we want to look for. When we're looking for leadership, whether it's in, in a church or whether it's in a job, we want to say, look, what does this person care about? Do they care about themselves or do they care about the people? And if they care about themselves, then they're probably not going to be a good leader. And they either need to be gotten rid of or if you're bringing somebody new in, they don't need to be hired. If we're looking for good leadership, we look to somebody like Jesus. What's the number one concern? The good of the people. And yet we see this, we see this mindset in this heart all throughout the New Testament in the writings of Paul. Paul said, hey, look, it's good if you want to support those who are in ministry. But Paul said on numerous occasions, I didn't demand anything of you. I work with my own hands. I provided for myself, much like Nehemiah did. He said, I didn't ask for anything from you. Now, sometimes the people did, did, did help Paul, and he thanks the Philippian people because he said, look, you, you give me support. But Paul said, look, I'm not, I'm not worried about what I get for you. I want to make sure that you know that, that I'm doing this freely because I want to do it freely because it's a blessing to me to be able to do this freely. So I've put no burden on you. Everything I've done is because I love you. And that's a, a similar, similar idea to what we see in Nehemiah. We see it in Paul, and we see it perfectly in Jesus Christ. So what does it mean to be a good leader? Well, Philippians chapter 2 gives us a beautiful example uh, and, and, and definition of what it means to be a good leader. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now that, that really sums up who Jesus was, and who we should be. Because that's what Paul says at the beginning of this passage. Make your own attitude of that of Christ. Live like Christ did. What did he do? Jesus Christ 
was God in the flesh, the Son of God. He had the power of God to do anything he wanted, and yet he did not use that power for his own advantage. What about you and I? Now, we don't have unlimited power, but we do have some power. We do have some wealth. We do have some ability. And what do we use it for? Do we use it for our own advantage? Man, if we had the ability that we could just speak something into existence, what would we do? Would we speak a, a new Ferrari into existence? Would we speak a fancy new home into existence? I mean, if we're honest, we, we probably would speak some of those things into existence. And we may do other things too. I mean, we may, we may speak healing and, and, and infinite supplies of food for the poor into existence. I mean, we may do some good things too. But yet Jesus had all the power in the world, but he, he did not use it to his advantage. He used it to heal the sick. He used it to, to be there for folks in need. He used it to have compassion on folks. He used it to drive out the demons. And he used it to be nailed to a cross. Of all the ways that you could use your power, I've got unlimited power and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you nail me to a cross. Now, that's a leader right there. But why did he do it? He didn't do it so we could sit here and say, man, that Jesus is so good. No, he did it because he loved you and me. And he said, look, I see that you are carrying a heavy burden with your sin and your struggles and your heartache and your pain. And he says, I've got unlimited power, but my unlimited power is not just so I can die, but it's so I can be raised again. And so Jesus said that is how I choose to use my power. <clears throat> Not to my advantage, but to your advantage. And so he humbled himself to death. Even death, on, not just any death, not just a painless death where he, where he drinks a little poison that would let him just go to sleep slowly and he wouldn't even know he had passed. No, not, not just death, but even to death on a cross. The worst possible death you could, you could possibly imagine. And Jesus said, I am the good sheep. I mean, I am the good shepherd. I will be a good leader to you. I will use my power for you and lay down my life for you. And so when we see this example of Nehemiah, man, what a great leader he was. But how much more of a great leader was Jesus Christ, the perfect leader. And I hope and pray that he is the leader of your life tonight. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for this good passage in Nehemiah. Dear Lord, passages like this, we may just kind of kind of skip through them, but dear Lord, there's there's good all over your word. And so I pray that as we look at Nehemiah, that we'd be, we'd be a little like he was, that we'd fear you, and that that fear of you would lead us to do what is right by people. God, that we would, we would do our best to, to not be a burden to people, but that we would help people as best we can, dear Lord, to take care of others and not depend on them to take care of us. That God ultimately let us look even, even past Nehemiah and his good example to Jesus Christ. Let us recognize his power and how he used it. And God, help us to see what power we have in our life and, and how we're using it. Maybe we don't have much power in the grand scheme of things, but, but God, we do have, have some areas of power. We do have some opportunities and some abilities. So what are we doing with what you give us? God, I pray that we'd do, do with it as Jesus did. I pray that with our own lives that we would, we would do with them as Jesus did that we would be willing to live for others, dear Lord, and die for others should it, should it be necessary. 
as Jesus did for us. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.